Sonia, an underappreciated, overworked, out-and-out grassroots activist in a world of rising tides, melting ice caps, declining podcast ratings, and now, oh, I've said too much. Take it away, Mr. Showbiz. Hey, thank you, Sonia. I really appreciate that. We're back on the air again. It's Christmas time, or the Christmas season anyway, but we're not going to do a Christmas show. Just like last year, we're going to skip for the second year in a row now, skip a Christmas show. Might have one next year, who knows, but we've had them before, and everyone's got a Christmas show, so we're going to not have a Christmas show and be different. Tonight's theme, songs done by the long riders in the studio or on stage, yet they're not long riders songs. They're all cover versions, so the end of tonight's show, we have a surprise. Every other song is a cover version by someone the Long Riders admired, or at least a song by that act that we admired. But uh, now that I look at the list, I think every act we admired, not just the individual songs. We're going to start off with a song by the Sir Douglas Quintet. If you don't know who Doug Somm is, the late, great Doug Somm, he died about 10 years ago at the age of 59, left us way too early. He's a mega influence on the Long Riders. Everybody in the Long Riders is a big Sir Doug fan. Uh, let's see, he was in the Texas Tornadoes, Sir Douglas Quintet, the Sir Douglas Band. It just goes on and on and on, the permutations he did. But in 1966, this song just really blew my mind. It was their second hit single in the United States. I don't think it was much of a hit in Europe. He's he's uh, deservedly big in Benelux and Scandinavia now. But in the 60s, I don't know if it was a hit or not. It was number 31 in America. It's called The Rains Came. But people like me know it as Rain, 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 Rain. Tears keep coming down. I haven't seen my baby. Let this down. Rain, 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 rain. My pillow's soaking wet. Broke my heart. All this soapless pain. Rain, 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 rain. See my girl again Rain, 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 rain Why'd you call me so much pain?
said, Uncle Dave, I saw my soul must be saved. Gonna take a walk down Union Square. You never know where you're gonna find there. You gotta run, 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 run. Take the dragon too. Run, 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 run. James and you. Hey, what to do? Margarita Passion, I had to get her fixed. She wasn't well, she was getting sick. Went to sell her soul, she wasn't high. Didn't know, think she could buy it. She would run, 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 run. Take the dragon too. Run, 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 run. Chip to death and you. Tell you what to do. Velvet Underground and Nico album. That's Run 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 by the Velvet Underground as opposed to Run 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 by the Who. 
as opposed to Rain, Rain, Rain by the Sir Douglas Quintet. First song, Sir Douglas Quintet and the Rains Came, also known as Rain, Rain, Rain. It was originally by Big Sambo in the house records around 1961 or two. It's a Huey P. Moe song. Huey P. Moe went to jail for the same kind of activities that Prince Andrew should go to jail for. So Doug's producer and sometimes songwriter, Huey P. Moe, wasn't any kind of a role model, although Sir Doug was, and the Sir Doug's Quintet are one of my favorite bands of all time. They sped up the doo-wop version of And the Rains Came that Big Sambo had a minor hit with in the American Southwest and had a number 31 hit in 1966, as I said. I'm willing to bet that Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground loved the song that I just played by the, the Sir Douglas Quintet because Lou Reed had a lot of soul. Whatever his problems were on and off stage, he certainly had a lot of soul, a lot of heart on his sleeve kind of action. Now, if you listen to Run, 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 the sixth string that Lou Reed and all, really all the whole band was in weird tunings a lot of the time. They tuned down, as I recall, a whole tone. So when you uh, hit the, uh, the E string, you're actually hearing an F. And so their songs all have a kind of a, a wobble to them. And when you play, pick up your guitar to play along, you, you're in a weird key because they were a, a toned down. When we had the Long Riders starting out, we didn't really know what kind of band we were going to be. We could have ended up like Magazine or something more avant-garde than we did. And we just started playing songs by people we liked. The Sir Douglas Quintet was one. The Velvet Underground was another. Now, I sang the Sir Doug song. Barry Shank, who wrote Ivory Tower, went on to uh, university and get his degrees. And he's now a professor at Ohio State. Barry Shank sang Run, Run, Run. I played a Stratocaster with a drop D tuning where the E's are down to D. And Steve McCarthy played Lap Steel. This is very early days, like 1982, I guess. And I remember we played this at a, uh, we had a, our first big break or one of them was going to be at the country club in the San Fernando Valley out in Reseda of, of Northwest of Los Angeles proper. And it was a benefit for a magazine called New York Rocker and our dear friend Ira. And uh, it was us and the Dickies and I can't remember who all was on the bill. And yet only about 300 people showed up. So it was actually quite a, quite an empty room for such a, such a august, wonderful reason to have a, a benefit. New York Rocker didn't make any money that night, but we played Run, 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 got a lot of reviews and a lot of local press, and it got us going. So now you've got this weird kind of roots rock thing, and then you've got this sort of New York avant-garde thing happening. Which side is going to win out in the early Long Riders? Well, we know what the answer was, but we didn't back then. Another song we did way early on, which I wrote about in my chapter in this brilliant book I'm now picking up, More Fun, name of the book, More Fun in the New World, colon, the Making and Legacy of L.A. Punk, John Doe with Tom DeSavia and Friends. I'm one of the friends. It's on DeCapo Books. It came out earlier this year. If you get it, you can read all about the early long writers, because as I just said, I have one of the entire uh, chapters, as do a lot of my friends. My chapter is chapter 19. It's called The Paisley Underground, Americana, and Me. But there's also chapters by my buddy, Peter Case, Chip Kimmon, who's in the Dills and Rank and File. John Doe, of course, was an ex Annette Zelinskis, who went from the Bangles to Blood in the Saddle, and now she's back in the Bangles again, like for like 30 years not being in the Bangles, or 35 years not being in the Bangles. Terry Graham of the Gun Club's there. Allison Anders, the wonderful director, who's also from Kentucky. She's she's there. Um, all sorts of people have a chapter. Charlotte Caffey from the Go-Go's. My friend Keith Morris, who was born in the same day and year as me. He was the lead singer for both the Circle Jerks and Black Flag at one time. Jane Weedlin, also the Go-Go's. Dave Alvin. Tim Robbins, how did he get in there? 
I guess they wanted to sell some books. Anyway, if you read more fun in the new world, read my chapter, chapter 19, The Paisley Underground and Me, then man, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. We didn't really know what we were doing in the early days of the Long Riders. So we, I threw out this song. It's an Everly Brothers song. Well, it's on the first Everly Brothers album, which is called, funny enough, The Everly Brothers. It was on Cadence Records. It's a Fleece and Boodlow Bryant song. It's the flip of their single, Like Strangers. Graham Parsons recorded it with Emmylou Harris, where, of course, Graham always gets the lyrics wrong when he does a cover. It's a fine version. Uh, I couldn't find the Everly's today, so here's the Graham and Emmylou version, and you bet the Longriders did this song in the early days. A guy moved into town I ain't seen you around I feel a brand new heartache coming on It happened once before When a guy moved in next door I feel a brand new heartache coming on
Springfield down to the wire. Stills does a lot of that vocal. There's another version on the Neil Young Decade 3LP set that came out around 1977 or early 78. On Decade, Neil Young takes most of the vocal. But in those days, when you had a band, you let other people take a crack at the vocal. It wasn't quite so much John Lennon wrote this song, so John Lennon sings it. It was sort of like whoever has the best voice did it. For instance, Steve McCarthy sang Babies in Toyland, which is a song of mine, because he just sounded better singing it than I did. So that's just the way that kind of goes. Uh, we started off with Brand New Heartache, which, as I said, is a Fleece and Boodle Bryant song. Years ago, I was working for Rhino Records, and I was uh, in the studio going through Everly Brothers' outtakes for a, a, a single LP. There's no CDs yet of outtakes and Bill Inglot was manning the board and he and I were going through these outtakes trying to find ones we could fix up and remix a bit like the Gene Clark no other box set that's just come out and we were trying to figure out which Everly Brothers outtakes were good enough and I heard this crunch 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 and it was the unmistakable sound of golf shoes with spikes or maybe it could be a baseball player or the cleats of a soccer player but this is LA so come on Coming down the hallway, un, un, undeniable, because we were taking a break. We had the door open. And Cadence Records was bought, was given to Andy Williams as part of his deal when he went to Columbia. It's a long story, but just take my word for it. Because he was originally on Cadence Records, and with the Everly Brothers, his label mates, they sold a lot of records. But as Andy Williams' star ascended, he got the masters of all the Cadence stuff, so he owned the Everly Brothers stuff. So we were doing this reissue for Rhino, and the money that Rhino licensed... Uh, went to Andy Williams' wallet, to his pocket, because it was his label, right? So we're sitting there, and Andy Williams, if I don't know if he's the guy that did, can't get used to losing you no matter what I try and do. That The, the beat, or the English beat, as they were known in America, he's the guy that sang that originally. He had a lot of hits in America, and he had a variety show in America. So maybe not in Europe, but in America, he's a household name. He sang a brilliant version of the Battle Hymn of the Republic, in the New York Cathedral when they had the funeral service for the slain late Senator Bobby Kennedy. So he's a great singer. And he had this corny variety show. He also gave the Osmonds their start on a national platform, showbiz national platform by that variety show. So the famous guy, Andy Williams, comes in while Bill Inglot and I are doing these Everly Brothers reissues. And we look up and he's wearing like Madras pants, trousers, folks, Madras trousers, with a big crease in him. Golf shoes, funny enough. He's a short guy. He's, you know, he's not tall. He's like 5'5 five, five or something. And uh, he's wearing a pink golf sweater and a white golf shirt with, you know, the Izod alligator on it. And he grins. He puts his hands on his hips and he grins at us. He goes, hey, boys, making me some money? And we said, we hope so, Mr. Williams. We hope so. And he goes, I hope so, too. Well, got to go. And crunch 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 this american iconic household name went down the hall i never saw him before i never saw him since then in the springfield they would have uh come up about the time the everleys were doing things like bowling green for uh warner brothers records a little after their cadence years and the springfield uh recorded a whole album stampede which never came out which is the cover of native sons to wit we're posed on native sons as the Springfield reposed on a shack on their unreleased album. So it was like a, a kind of a, a signal to the hip. 
Now, Matt Pucci of the Rain Parade heard that there was a band in L.A. in 1982 doing a Buffalo Springfield song that was kind of obscure. So he came to see us play, and he told me, Larry, I thought you guys were okay, and then you did Down to the Wire, and I really liked you. And that is how I met Matt Pucci of the Rain Parade. In fact, it's the first member of the Rain Parade I think I ever met. Maybe David Roback, the guy that went on to Mazzy Star. Maybe I met him first. But certainly, Matt, I met at a Longwriters gig, and he was only there to hear that last song we just heard, Down to the Wire. Anyway, enough of that rubbish. Next up is one of my great guitar playing heroes. I had a yellow Stratocaster in the Longriders. Why? Because of this song, the fifth song of the night, which we also did live early on. We did this one live. This is the great Magic Sam from his Delmark Records period doing You Don't Love Me. I don't have 
great Magic Sam died age 32 around December of 1970. Rhythm and Blues Lockenvar, he was along with Otis Rush. Hey! Along with Otis Rush, he's a representative of the West Side Sound from the city of Chicago. As Muddy and Wolf and Little Walter are representatives of the South Side Sound. These two younger, slightly younger guys were representatives of the West Side Sound. They kind of put a little soul, a little R&B in their blues. Now, early, that's from his Black Magic album by Magic Sanum Delmark. Now, early on in the Long Riders, I don't know why I thought I could sing that. Because being a white suburbanite, I don't have the wellspring or the colorful palette to paint from that a guy like Magic Sam had growing up on hard times in Mississippi and then moving to Chicago to quote unquote make it in show business. And I remember we were doing it once in rehearsal. I think we'd done it live. I'm pretty sure we had. But we were doing it once in rehearsal. We had Harlan Hollander sitting in on guitar. Holland Hollander was in the Tremors with my dear friend David Rader. And then he was in Fast Freddy and the Precisions. Fast Freddy being a local singer and scenester and saxophone, C melody saxophone player, poet, and many other things, my friend. So Freddie's guitar player, Harlan Hollander, was with us in the room and he was playing along. He's a good blues player from Chicago, Harlan. And at the end of the song, Harlan Hollander made a <laughs> yawning motion, meaning you didn't deliver that very well. And so I thought, he's right. I don't deliver it very well. I don't think we ever played it again. Anyway, that was Magic Sam. He's a hero. That's why I had a yellow Stratocaster in the Long Riders, because Sam played one. Anyway, let's keep the magic theme going. Here's my dear, dear, beloved band with my harmonica instructor, John Sebastian, doing Do You Believe in Magic? Man 
great riff. It's an E. It's kind of Smokestack Lightning by Howlin' Wolf played in reverse. If you know the riff to Smokestack Lightning, you can play Green River by Creedence Clearwater Revival. Right, we started off, I forgot to say it was The Love and Spoonful. I mentioned John Sebastian, uh, the songwriter of Do You Believe in Magic. I forgot to say it was The Love and Spoonful, their late 1965 classic, their first hit in the United States or anywhere in the world. The early long riders had an auto harp because we were sort of a 60s obsessed band at the time. And I bought an auto harp because Barry Shank and I decided we had to expand the band and be a little more like the band, as in Robbie Robertson's The Band. Barry was going to learn fiddle, and I cheated and got an auto harp where you just strum and depress the buttons if you're a beginner. A lot easier to learn than the fiddle. I think Barry's fiddle went by the wayside, and the auto harp was just sort of cumbersome. And the band's... Anyway, I love the auto harp. It doesn't go out of tune, as some people will tell you. Greg... But it doesn't go out of tune. And anyway, I bought it at Westwood Music in 1982. It has a pickup already in it. It's an electric auto harp. I love it to death. I don't use it enough. I don't know why. Interesting fun fact. When Zalman Yanofsky, the late great Zalman Yanofsky, left Love and Spoonful in 1967, he was replaced by Jerry Yester, who was playing piano on the demo of Do You Believe in Magic? Jerry Yester is now in a lot of trouble because he has some of the same... Uh, attitudes towards life as Prince Andrew does. So maybe they'll all join up with Huey P. Moe somewhere in the afterlife. Anyway, that was a great, great song. Do You Believe in Magic? The Spoonful. Green River, Creedence Clearwater Revival. That's one of their big hits. I remember we played that a lot on stage with the Dream Syndicate and True West for an encore when we did this swing of California in 1984. I think it was spring 1984. I don't know why it was our encore. I guess it was as easy to play that da-da-da-da riff. It's a simple song. It's a great song. It's from Fogarty's fave LP, the Green River LP. It was one of three LPs Creedence put out in 1969. Yes, they put out three LPs in the year 1969, and that's John Fogarty's favorite Creedence album. It went gold in the States. By now, I'm told it's triple platinum because I looked it up earlier. And I think Creedence Clear Order Revival could no more make it today in the record industry than The Man in the Moon. They were the perfect band for the perfect time. But they, now people would look at them as, as I don't know what, old hat or something. But my God, they sold some records back in the day. They were up there with Led Zeppelin in America and bizarrely also in America, Grand Funk. Yeah, Grand Funk were huge in the States from like 70, 71 to about 75, 76. Huge. Anyway, we're way off the subject. But the Long Riders did do Do You Believe in Magic? We did do Green River. And you know we did this one because we cut it and put it on our album, Native Sons. I hope that the friend you've thrown yourself with gets drunk and loses his job. And every road that you travel on is dusty, rocky, and hard I couldn't make you love me You only made me blue So Paul and Paul, if the curtain should fall on I hope that it falls on you I will have sweet, sweet, sweet Mental revenge I will have sweet Sweet, sweet 
metal revenge Well, I hope that the train from Caribou, Maine runs over your new love affair. You walk the floor from door to door and pull out your four oxide hair. You never was my woman, cause you were never true. So all in all, if the curtain should fall, all I hope that it falls on you. I will have sweet, sweet, sweet metal revenge. I will have sweet, sweet, sweet metal revenge. I will have sweet.
that catchy or what? All right, we started off with Sweet Metal Revenge, a Mel Tillis song. It wasn't much of a hit for Mel Tillis, as I recall, on the country charts. It was a hit for Waylon Jennings in 1968. It was from an LP of his called Jewels, which is actually a pretty good LP. It was one of the last Waylon Jennings albums where he let the RCA, Chet Atkins, Nashville Session guys, I got to use this phrase, push him around, tell them what to do. He was really chomping at the bit to get out there and run the race his own way. And he was under the thumb of the Nashville guys. For instance, when you saw him do a, a gig on TV, he would just stand there and mime to the record with his Telecaster not plugged in. He had grease in his hair, combed away from his face. He was clean shaven. And in just a few years in the outlaw country mood, when the outlaw country music movement started, there was Wayne with long scraggly hair and a goatee, if not a beard. And he'd, uh, had his own band on all his records. In fact, they were on the front cover of the uh, of some of his records. So he got his way from Chet after a while, and it made his records even better. But I, I, he did make classic songs early on. Now, I know for a fact that Graham Parsons and Chris Hillman, back at the Burrito Manor in 68, had a copy of the album Jewels by Waylon with this song on it, Sweet Mental Revenge. Now, if you listen to them in the April 1969, because it's now been released their April 1969 film or West appearance, they do Sweet Metal Revenge very fast. And I heard the when it was a bootleg cassette and it wasn't a, a release, it was not a release, that guy that uh, put it out that runs Amoeba Records, he didn't, it wasn't a, it was just a cassette with his on it. And I thought they played it much faster. The burritos playing burrito buzz. They played da da dum da dum da da dum da 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 dum 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 dum. I told the Longwriters, we got to do this. Like Stampede, the front cover of a Buffalo Springfield album that never came out, which we nicked that idea for the cover of Native Sons. Right? I thought this would be another signal to the hip. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. And the people that were hip enough to know what we were doing would then be our ground zero, our our foundation of of fans. And it kind of worked for a while. So anyway, we did this fast version of Sweet Metal Revenge that the Brito Brothers did based on this slower version by Waylon Jennings. And we still play it today. We just did some dates across the United States and Europe here in late 2019. And it did really well that we had to play Sweet Metal Revenge almost every night. Going to a Go-Go by Smokey Robinson, The Miracles. Now, we played that. The Longwriters played that very early on. I'm saying we dropped it by Christmas 1983. What happened was, they were just called The Miracles, right? And Barry Gordy at Motown, he's nobody's fool. He would say, Smokey Robinson, The Miracles. And after you got used to the new name, he'd break off Smokey Robinson as a solo act, and The Miracles would keep going. They, They had the hit Love Machine with William Griffin singing lead. No relation to me after Smokey left. And of course, Smokey Robinson went on to have cruising and all those hits like that. Same thing with the Supremes. They had six American number ones. He starts changing the name to Diana Ross and the Supremes, right? Then he breaks them in two and he's got Diana Ross having a solo career and the Supremes having more hits with Up the Ladder to the Roof and Nathan Jones, great records. So he's nobody's fool. So the first album that they were Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, as opposed to the Miracles, was their 1965 Opus Going to a Go-Go. Not the single, but the album that came out. And this is one of the greatest soul albums you can buy. It's got Choosy Beggar on it. It's got, ooh, baby, baby. Not bad. And it's got Tracks of My Tears. It's got My Girl Has Gone. It was a number eight Billboard album. LP on the pop charts. It was the number one R&B chart 
Um, and if you have an album with Tracks of Our Tears and Going to a Go-Go on it, you know, it's it's a classic. What are you going to say? So the early long run is I play... I play the guitar riff, right? An album came out by the Rolling Stones, a live album called... I can't remember what the heck it was called. Still Life? Was it that live album? Still Life? And they did Go Into a Go-Go. Well, that was that. We can't do it anymore. Forget it, because it was the Stones single. So we had to drop it, which is kind of embarrassing. But there you are. Speaking of embarrassing, here's a song I couldn't get the harmony part on. So Stephen and Tom, Tom Stevens and Stephen McCarthy sang it themselves on stage on a tour we did in about two years ago, or around the globe, as it were. This is the birds doing, Have You Seen Her Face? Have you seen her face? Her eyes reflect the colors in the sky. A more familiar place to be swept into. Whenever she's close by Makes me wonder why Run by, don't turn back Can't hide from that look in her eyes Must be the way she walks A style made up to capture all she needs No time spent on loose talk If your luck runs right She might see you tonight Everything inside Run by, don't turn back Can't hide from that look in her eyes In her spell, all the sights and sounds, your senses will be found. And only time will tell how much love can be. To wait so patiently, wait and see. Run by, don't turn back. Can't hide from that look in her eyes. That's one of McGuinn's best guitar parts, and it's not a 12-string. That's him on a Gretsch, I think a country gentleman. Maybe I'm wrong. Cecil Somebody's on the piano, attack piano on the right channel. If you get the mono, that's from their album Younger Than Yesterday. If you get the mono version of Younger Than Yesterday, it's a radically different mix. Or maybe radically is a little strong to use, but it's more than a noticeably different mix. It's more than a noticeably different mix, and it's perhaps less than a radically different mix. But if you get the mono vinyl of Younger Than Yesterday from whence that song, Have You Seen Her Face, emanated, 
get that and you'll it's like a different thing it's like completely wow you more many of you know that the white album mono has a different mix than the white album stereo what's well, a greater difference than that let's put it that way that's chris hillman's uh first a side as a member of the birds as a songwriting member of the birds have you seen her face he still does that today in his act with her peterson and i was just thinking about mcguinn you know he's legendary for the 12 string right Yet on that, he's playing the six string. And many, many people thought that was a session player when it came out. I remember it was at university, people thought it was Glenn Campbell. Years later, people thought it was uh, Clarence White, who does play on Time Between and another song or two on that record. But no, it's McGuinn. And if you look at the Monterey Pop Festival footage, which is easily found on YouTube, look up Have You Seen Her Face? McGuinn does the solo, does that almost cubist to use a picasso phrase almost cubist solo live note for note you know that it's just a it's just so great it's based on a blues scale but it's very jagged and it's not really so much bluesy as a sort of a harsh jazz almost a coltrane kind of jazz but again it's on a six string it's not his traditional 12 string thing which reminds me speaking about great guitar parts i was talking about i played the guitar part on going to a go-go as best i could and of course, Keith Richards played that main guitar part on the Rolling Stones version from that live album I was talking about. And many people were probably wondering, well, who the heck played it in the Miracles? The Miracles had a guy that played guitar with them live that was in, he was one of the Miracles, it wasn't the the the, uh, the band that backed them up. No, they had a guitar player in the act, usually playing a, a Les Paul, as I recall. His name's Marv Tarplin and Marv Tarplin was an original miracle. He's Smokey Robinson's dear friend. He co-wrote a whole passel of songs with the great Smokey Robinson. So I should have said Marv Tarplin earlier enough. Also, oh, 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 those chords on the beginning of a uh, track to my tears. Everyone knows the opening of the tracks of my tears, the great classic also from the going to a go-go album. That's Marv Tarplin on the guitar there too. So you're talking two geniuses of the six string, Mr. Marv Tarplin and Mr. Roger McGuinn. How about them apples? Here's a genius of the 12 string. Me, sort of. What happened was, we're going to hear a song now called I Want You Bad by NRBQ, but I'll just keep rapping because here's the, here's, the, here's the story. NRBQ have and had a brilliant song called I Want You Bad, written by Terry Adams, the leader of the band. He still has an NRBQ band out there today, and they're still good. They're still making good records. Check them out. In 1978, they put out an album called At Yankee Stadium. Now, I love the At Yankee Stadium album. It was on then on Mercury. Then I think it's Polygram by, by NRBQ. And I thought I Want You Bad was a standout track. Many people have recorded I Want You Bad. I believe Dave Edmonds has recorded it. I believe, uh, what's the singer from the Georgia Satellites? Dan Baird. He's recorded it, as I recall. There's somebody else that's recorded it too. Anyway, it's never been a hit from anybody, not even NRBQ. But we were told by the A&R guy at Island Records circa 1986 for your next album, Two-Fisted Tales, we need you to have a cover, a cover that sort of tells radio you're okay guys. Now, what they meant was something like Jason and the Scorchers doing that 19th Nervous Breakdown or uh, or uh, Jason when he did um, Absolutely Sweet Marie, something along those lines. And you know, I didn't want to do a big 60s hit, so we picked this one, did a new arrangement of it. People really liked it. It was written by, as I said, Terry Adams and his road manager, Phil Crandon. As far as I know, Phil Crandon, the NRBQ road manager, never got another songwriting credit in his life. But the NRBQ version was more of a rockin' thing, and we needed to put it in a pop, folk rock, kind of power pop, 12-string bag. So I came up with this opening riff 
And I think I came up with it. Maybe somebody's going to say Tom Stevens thought of it or Steve McCarthy thought of it. But I thought I came up with most of the opening riff. Something that went da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And Stephen came up with that da-da-da-da from the NRBQ thing. We wedded them together and we had the Longwriters version. So continue this thing of these are songs that Longwriters played live. As we played Have You Seen Her Face live a few days, a few days, a few tours ago, a few years ago as an encore, we played I Want You Bad from 86 to, you know, a month ago when we wrapped up our tour in Spain, our European tour wrapped it up in Spain. We just did a little more 12 string stuff and I got the idea for I Want You Bad. I was in San Francisco in 84 with the Longriders and I bought a vinyl bootleg LP of the Groovies live and they did a great version of this song. They rocked it up a little. We put our 12 string on it. Boom. We had a new version. Cut to, two, tw- cut to 2017, the Flamin' Groovies put out a fine new album called Fantastic Plastic. It only took them, what, 33 years to get around to putting a studio version of I Want You Bad together. So you can check it out on the Flamin' Groovies album, Fantastic Plastic. But here's the song I've been talking about. I Want You Bad by NRBQ. You might know the Longwriters version. Here's the original. That was what I played in the 12 string. But you already know that. You've got the Longwriters record. 
We put it out on the album Two Fisted Tales. The Groovies put it on Fantastic Plastic. That's the original from the album at Yankee Stadium by NRBQ. The, one of the greatest bands you could ever hear in your life of any genre. They represent pop, rock and roll, Sun Ra Orchestra, jazz, craziness, fun, silliness, TV theme music. Better than anybody I can think of. Right. That's our seasonal show for this Christmas season. We're going to end with one final Christmas song. And you th- I think you guys know what it is. 1985, the Long Riders were recording September 85 at Chipping Norton Studios. Chipping Norton Studios, I think it was called, in Chipping Norton, Oxfordshire. Right down the street from where they have the Sore Fingers Bluegrass Festival uh, every uh, March or whatever it is, around Easter. Steve McCarthy went missing. Couldn't find him anywhere. He wrote this song. All I wrote was the intro. Yes, I miss the snowflakes covering the trees. I just wrote that bit, sang that bit. Steven sang the rest of the song. We really went to town on it. I don't know why we didn't put it on the record other than it's a a Christmas record, I guess, but it was fun. It was silly. I guess it would have not made any sense to put it on the State of Our Union record. It's on the State of Our Union box set, which came out on Cherry Red Records about... A year ago right now. Gosh, it came out in around November 2018, as I recall. And so we're really proud of that. And I hope everybody checks that box set out. It's also on the box set that came out in February 2016 or 2017 called Final Wild Sons. No, it was 2016. Anyway, this is Christmas in New Zealand. It's all the long riders. Will Birch was the producer. Neil King, now a wine magnate north of the San Fernando, north of San Francisco. That he engineered it. It's a very happy memory for me. A lot of people, it's their favorite Long Riders song. John Peel, the late DJ, wasn't keen on the Long Riders. But every Christmas, every Christmas, from the time he heard this to the end of his life, he played this on the BBC at least once. So from my family to yours, Merry Christmas, especially if you're like Kevin Stokes and you're from New Zealand. Yes, I miss the snowflakes covering the trees. Sure, I smell the dumplings which warm you in the freeze Although I'm sitting safe and warm, my nights are cold and blue It's Christmas in New Zealand, I'm down under without you Christmas in New Zealand, I'm down under without you Fifteen thousand miles away, I can't believe it's true The Maoris have the table set, roast beef hold the bone I'm starting to feel sad and yet we're a nuclear free zone Greenpeace couldn't park their boat, the rugby team got drunk Santa seems so far away, I feel just like a monk Now I don't mean to put the people down of this here place I just want my Christmas balls hanging in their place Now I've got a funny Christmas in New Zealand. Oh, Santa! 
say I hope you're having fun I'll be surfing on the coast not far from Wellington Now if you want to reach me call me anytime I'll be home at Auckland 6 209 I don't know if St. Nick has his island in his plans He's been up freezing cold and I've still got a tan Now I've got a funny feeling Cause it's Christmas in New Zealand I don't know what to say Cause I'm watching Kiwis play It's Christmas in New That was me saying, I hope Santa's not a skinhead. Carol writing from Lancashire Poly saying, please say hello to Martin in Nottingham and wish him good luck for his A-levels whilst John I'm Peel. doing my first year psychology exams. Can we have some long riders? No. I told you John Peel didn't like us. I forgot that was on there. We found that air clip. Somebody sent it to us when I mentioned John Peel wasn't keen on the long riders. And somebody sent me that air clip from the BBC. I hope we don't get any trouble for that. No, I don't know why he wasn't keen on us. I... I Forget it. Anyway, but he did play that song every Christmas. So from us to the late John Peel and your family and everybody out there, have a very merry holiday season. I speak for engineer Kevin Stokes. I speak for Sonia. I speak for Jess the Springer Spaniel. I speak for all of you all out there with all the love that I could possibly send out to your family from our family. Have a very wonderful holiday season. Uh, I want to tell... A certain American senator, there is no war on Christmas, so quit saying there is. You can say Merry Christmas or Happy Hanukkah or whatever you want. It's a free world, free country. Well, so far. God bless everybody. Thank you all. It's been a wonderful podcast. Enjoy your wonderful families this wonderful holiday season, and we'll see you in the new year with more high heaven tales and funny rock and roll and stuff from the coal face of the American and European recording industries. Adios, amigos!